today I'm continuing and, um, and more than likely completing this teaching that we've had for the several weeks, Freedom from Negative Emotions. This is the fourth part, and I believe it's the, it's the final part of this particular teaching. And today I'm going to share 10 practical keys when applied that can produce that freedom that is rightfully yours from negative emotions. Let's begin by, by um, turning to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 12 and 13. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. I will read it in both the New King James and in the Amplified. The King James, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. The Amplified, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people, in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, if you are a child of God, you are to take this very personally. And it's not just us, but it is you. Part of your inheritance and what is, what is rightfully yours is the nature of God. The very life of Christ with which comes love, joy, peace, and all of the fruits of the Spirit. Part of your inheritance is the authority of Christ that is embodied in the name of Jesus. Now this all means that you have the authority, you have the ability and the power to rule your negative, to rule over negative emotions that are in your life. And you are able to function in the life of Christ with all of the fruits of the Spirit and all of the positive emotions that Jesus has paid the price for you to have. Now, God wants you to function out of your born-again spirit. And may I remind you that your born-again spirit has been created in righteousness and true holiness. How to function out of your born-again spirit and out of that nature that is in your spirit, not out of your flesh. You are not to be functioning out of your flesh. For the old man with his flesh nature has been crucified and buried with Christ and is not to have any more dominion over you. You are no longer to be reacting to situations and to circumstances, the circumstances of life. You are no longer to be reacting to people and from situations and circumstances from your flesh. For you have been delivered from the power of darkness. You are now to only respond 
from the nature of God that is in you. For you have been translated into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his dear son. And that kingdom is righteousness. It is peace. And it is joy in the Holy Ghost. That is where you and I are to function from. God wants you to be dominated by the kingdom of God, to be governed by the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit has lordship, there is liberty. You are not your own, but you are bought with a price. You are being paid for by the blood and the sacrifice of Christ. You are now the home, the very temple where God lives through his spirit. So that now God is to be glorified in your body. You are to be sanctified, set apart, holy and completely unto God in your spirit and in every area of your soul and your body. Now that includes your emotions. But there is an enemy of your soul, Satan, the devil, that wicked one. And he desires to provoke you and to influence you to function out of your flesh and out of your negative emotions. He wants you to be reacting to the various stimuli of life instead of responding from your born-again spirit, instead of responding from the born-again man that has been created in righteousness and true holiness, and, which, and that born-again man that has the love of God shed abroad in his heart by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, we have been talking about this on, on this subject, freedom from negative emotions. Today, what I'm going to do is I hope to conclude this four-part series by sharing a number of practical keys, 10 keys, and I'm trusting we'll get through those, 10 keys for you to be free from negative emotions and from not having them to rule you. Amen? All right, so let's go. Key number one, there are three confidences that you must have. Three confidences that you must have. Confidence number one, you are to is this, that you do have the capacity to walk in the spirit. Confidence number two, you have the capacity to think in line with God's word. And then confidence number three is that you do have an enduring substance in your spirit and in heaven that confirms what you are believing and hoping for. You need to have these three confidences. These confidences must be living on the inside of you. Amen? So that's the first key, these three confidence, confidences. Let me expand a little bit. Number one, you do have the capacity to walk in the Spirit, to walk after the Holy Spirit, to walk after His leading. Galatians 5 verse 16 says, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
You shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You shall not fulfill those emotions that are being stimulated and arising out of your flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill those. Now, if God is going to command you and demand of you that you walk in your spirit, it would be unjust if you're not able to do that. So you need to recognize that if God has declared this, commanded this, demanded this, then you have the grace to do so. So you need to start off from that place recognizing that, uh, that I do have the capacity to walk in the spirit, to walk after my born again spirit, to walk after the Holy Ghost. Make that confession, make that declaration, make that acknowledgement. The second confidence you have the capacity to think in line with God's word. How you think will affect your emotions. How you think will affect your emotions. Like if you are thinking, well, this situation is so bad, it's probably going to get worse. I don't think there is any way out of it. That would lead you to have feelings of hopelessness and despair. But if on the other hand, you are thinking, yes, this situation might be bad, but God always makes a way for me to overcome. He always makes a way of escape. He will always cause me to triumph. There is a way out. The word of God is my deliverance. If you begin to think that way, what will happen instead of falling into that negative emotion of hopelessness and despair, you will rise up and you will have courage. You will have boldness. You will have a confident expectation of victory. Hallelujah. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So Jesus says, don't take the negative thought and say it. Negative thoughts might come to your mind, but don't say them. Don't speak them. Don't let those corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth. You see, the thought is a seed. But when you take it and you, and you speak it, then you plant that seed into your heart, and when it grows up, it brings a tree with fruits that you don't want. So don't take the negative thoughts and say it. Instead... A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Proverbs chapter um, 15, verse 23. So speak the word of God. Speak, the, the confidence. speak out of your confidence. Speak what you're desiring to come out of the situation. Don't speak the negative. Don't speak that because don't receive the thought and speak it because it will, it will produce negative emotions. Hallelujah. You have the authority to rule over your thoughts. Now, you need to know that. You need to believe that. And then you need to choose your thinking. You need to choose your speaking to line up with the Word of God. The Scripture says that the Word of God dwells in you richly. Why? So that it can overtake your thinking, and so that when you speak, it would be the Word of God, and you'll be speaking it out of the abundance of your heart. The word of God is spirit. The word of God is life. And to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So choose your thinking. Whatever is true, whatever is honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Sometimes you might hear something about someone. Someone might come and it might bring some gossip to you. That gossip might be true. But it is not of good report. So don't think on it. Amen? Set your affections 
and your mind and your thoughts on the things which are above, on that higher plane. Set it on the word of God, not on the things that are on the earth, not on the things that are carnal. And keep them set. Keep them set on the word of God. Keep them set in the higher place. Hallelujah. God says, I'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because they trust in me. Hallelujah. Now you can do this. You can do this. You have this power in your spirit to be able to control your thoughts. You can do all things through Christ that strengthen you. You have got the capacity to think in line with God's word. God has even given unto you and I weapons, weapons that are mighty through him to pull down strongholds and to pull down and cancel and annul arguments and theories and reasonings and things that would exalt themselves above God and above his truth. You have weapons to pull those things down. You have the power to overthrow them and to bring every thought into captivity and into the obedience of Christ. I mean, you may have had a, 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 a terrible childhood, or you may have had some things that happened in your childhood, and the enemy has used that to build up strongholds in your mind that nothing good is ever going to happen in your life, and it might, something good might happen for someone else but not for you. Well, the, that's a lie. What do you do? You forget those things which are behind and you take the word of God that declares that, God, that you now have a new life. All things have passed away. All things have become new. And the Lord God Almighty has a good future for you. You take the word of God and you decide that my, present, that the, my past does not determine my future. Hallelujah. What am I saying? Yes, there are things that will there are strongholds and imaginations and cycles and patterns of thinking and so on that could where the enemy might literally build up a castle in your mind, but you have got weapons, the name of Jesus, the word of God, the power of the blood, and all the mighty weapons, praise and worship, prayer, power of agreement. You have got weapons that you can use to break down those strongholds, to pull down those imaginations, to make, to bring every thought to become into captivity and to the obedience of Christ. You have got the power and you have got the grace and you have got the anointing to rule over your thoughts and as a result, rule over your negative emotions. Hallelujah. Now there is a third confidence that you must have. And that is, I call it an enduring substance that, 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 is, that more or less confirms that what you are thinking, what you are believing, what you are hoping, what God has promised is indeed established in heaven. It already exists. It, al it is already done. Hallelujah. But you got to know that each and every you add all of your hopes and all of your godly desires and all of the promises of God that there is an enduring substance that corresponds to that need, that corresponds to that promise, that corresponds to that hope. Your hope is from heaven. Your hope is from that realm knowing that this exists. God has spoken it. Colossians 1 verse 5 says this hope. It is a heavenly hope. It comes. It is reserved in heaven. Hallelujah. It is laid up for you in heaven. So you have a hope. You have a confidence. And this hope and confidence, it's not vain. It's not empty. It is not wishful thinking. No, 
it is backed up by God himself. It is backed up by God himself. You know, it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that, 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 that such hope does not disappoint. Because what? The love of God is shed abroad in your heart. Well, God is love. What does that mean? Yo, this hope that you have, this heavenly hope, this hope for a good future, this hope for the fulfillment of the promise, this hope that you're going to come out victorious, this hope, God himself, he is love. He backs that hope up. He is backing it up. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read a few verses of scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 10. Glory to God. And as we read these verses of scripture here from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34 to 39, we will come across um, a number of forces that will destroy negative emotions. We're going to come across several forces, and I'm going to uh, itemize them as we go. Amen? All right. So, but we do, we have covered the first key. The first key is what? It is these three confidences that you must have. Knowing that, num knowing that you have the capacity to walk in the spirit, you need to know that you have the power and authority to control your thinking, and you need to know that there is an enduring substance that backs up your faith, that backs up what you are hoping. Hebrews chapter 10, verse, let's read from verse 34. Hallelujah. Let me just read it straight through first, and then we'll come back and break it down. Verse 34. For you had compassion on me in my chains, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. That's the test and trials. Knowing, 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 knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession or substance for yourself in heaven. And that's in that higher plane. That is in the realm of the spirit. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of Patience, patience, perseverance, endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now, the just, and that's you, you are the just, you are the righteousness of God. The just shall live by faith. There is that word, faith. And if anyone draws back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. For, but we are not of those who draw back to, the, to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. So let's break that down. You have, verse 34, you have had compassion on me in my chains, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. These Hebrew believers, these Jewish believers, because of, 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 of their commitment to Christ, what happened, sometimes their homes were burnt, their possessions were taken away, they suffered loss, and there was great persecution against them. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of all their tests and trials and hardships, and in the midst of the plundering of their goods, they knew, they knew what? They took it joyfully. They took it joyfully. Why? Because they knew that they had a better and an enduring substance in heaven. Therefore, because of that, they did not cast away their confidence because they knew there was a great reward. And so it says you have need of patience. 
so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promises. For yet a little while, and he who, is, who, who, he who will come will come and not tarry, but the just shall live by faith. Faith is that substance. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is that substance. It is that enduring substance. It is that, that the, um, it, it's called here, that enduring possession or substance. It is that confidence. This substance, in other words, faith. Here you are in tests and trials and situations, but you've got this, in, this spiritual force that came from the word of God that is inside your spirit as you are born again. For God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that faith says, I might not see it in the natural, but I see it in the spirit. It is done. It is finished. And there is a substance. There is a provision that already exists for what I'm believing for. So faith is that substance. It's an unwavering substance, and it is a confidence. It is a confidence. In another translation, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is the title deed. Faith is the title deed that says, you have ownership. You have ownership. Oh, it might not look like it. They might be testing trials and situations, pressures here and pressures there, and whatever else is happening. But you have got this faith that says, I have ownership. This is my title deed. This is what the promise of God says, and I've got it. It is mine. It exists. It is in the realm of the Spirit. And actually it says when you believe like that, that faith will give it substance and cause it to be made manifest in the natural realm as you stay in faith. Which is what? Faith and patience. So faith, is, is this, this faith that you, that this applied faith, let me call it that, this is your second key to overcome negative emotions. When you know and you believe, even though it looks another way and it feels another way, but when you know and you believe, it moves you, it affects your emotion. So here you had these Hebrew believers that they joyfully accepted the plundering of their goods. Joyfully. It was not fun, but there, were, there was a joy in the midst of the test and the trials. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trial of your faith will produce patience. Amen? Now, faith is not something, and I just want to, to address this just a little bit, because faith is not blind. Faith is not something that you do in order to get God to respond to you or to act on your behalf. That is a misunderstanding that somehow your faith is going to move God and is going to cause God to do this or to do that and to act on your behalf. No, faith is your response to God. Faith is you believing that God is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is your response to God, to who he is, to what he has said. It is your response to his word. You get a hold of his word and you recognize, yes, it is settled in heaven. God said it, it is done. It is impossible for him to lie. What he has said, what he has done... Faith is your response to what Jesus has finished. He already bore my sicknesses. He already carried my diseases. By his stripes I were healed. I know the grace of the Lord Jesus. That grace flows. And I know the grace that he became poor, that I through his poverty might be made rich. It is already done. 
In him I have redemption because he has shed his blood. It is confidence in what he has finished. It is your response. It is your responsibility responding to his ability. It is your response to the power and authority and what is rightfully and legally yours because of the blood of the everlasting covenant. It is your response to the witness of the Holy Spirit. So faith is your response. Faith positions you to receive what is already done. Faith positions you to receive what grace has already given. What is already given to you by grace 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross. And when you believe God and you operate in faith, then that grace will abound towards you so that you can have all sufficiency and abound to every good work. So what am I saying? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But faith is, it positions you to receive what has what is already done. That's the reason why Philemon is going to say that when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ, when you acknowledge what is already done, then your faith becomes effective and your faith becomes productive and your faith will work and your faith will produce. When you are in faith and your faith is mature, now catch that phrase, when your faith is mature, I'm going to come back to that, then what happened? You are confident. And that confidence will, 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 will quiet and shut down the negative emotions. So Hebrews 35 goes on to say, therefore, don't cast away your confidence. Don't throw it away. Don't fling it away. Your fearless confidence, because it carries a great and a glorious compensation of reward. So that faith, when it, is, when it is mature, when it is solid, when it is unshakable, when it doesn't have doubt and unbelief intermingling, it will have such a confidence. There is an unwavering substance and confidence, hallelujah. Now, this confidence, we are talking about being free from fear. And this is key number three, by which you can overcome negative emotions. Confidence. Say confidence with me. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says that the righteous are bold as a lion. What does that mean? It means then that the righteous, the lion doesn't back down from anyone or anything. Because the lion has this, 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 this confidence within himself. Not be, because of that nature that God has put on the inside of him. Well, you have got the nature of righteousness. And I'm, a, a scripture just come to my mind. Proverbs 30, verse 31 says. Verse, sorry, Proverbs 30, 30. That's a good word. A lion which is mighty among beasts. He does not turn away from any. Why? Because he is bold. He is courageous. He is confident. He sees himself as king of the jungle. Well, Jesus is the king of kings, and you are a king under him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And it says in Ecclesiastics 8 verse 4, the way the word of a king is, there is power. Out of this confidence, you are able to declare, you are able to decree. This confidence, hallelujah. This confidence that comes from your righteousness, this confidence that comes from, number one, the fact that you know you've got authority. 
the authority of the name of Jesus, the authority of a king. You reign, you declare, you decree. You know you've got authority. And you also know that, number two, because you are the righteousness of God, you've got rights. You've got privileges. You know what the will of God is. And it says in 1 John 5, 14, that whatever we ask according to his will, we know that he hears us. And this is the confidence. Whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Now, this asking is asking sometimes in prayer from of God, but sometimes this asking is demanding what your rights are. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What am I saying? This third key is confidence. Confidence that flows out of your righteousness, flows out of the reality of what your authority is, the reality that all the promises of God are yes and amen, and you have rights. Confidence that flows out of the fact that you have got right standing with God because the blood has been shed, and the blood has been shed, and in the sight of God, you are free from condemnation and guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority. There is no sense of unworthiness on the inside of you because you know who you are. You are the the workmanship of God. You are the offspring of God Almighty. You are a son of the Most High God. You may be somewhat prodigal, but there is still a robe of righteousness for you. There is still a ring for your finger. You, have still, you still have got access to all of the inheritance. Why? Because you are a son. You are the righteousness of God. You are in right standing. Your confidence comes from this knowledge that God, your Father, loves you. He loves you. He loves you so very much that he loves you as much as he loves Jesus. And there is no good thing that he will withhold from you. Your confidence comes from this place where you know that he's eager to do you good. He is eager and that confidence, that confidence of the knowledge of the love of God, you know and you believe this love, it flushes out. It drives out all fear. It destroys every sense of insecurity that God might not do it for you. No, yes, he'll do it for you. You have the name of Jesus. So it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 6, Verse 35, don't cast away your confidence. There's a great recompense of reward. And you have need of patience. That is key number four. You have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. You say, well, why do you need patience? Patience is faith continued. Faith is like a dot, but when you put a whole string of dots together, you've got a line. Well, the dot is faith, the line is patience. And through faith and patience, you obtain the promises according to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12. So you have need of patience to remain firm so that even if it seems delayed, it is not denied. Even if you don't have fulfillment immediately, don't move, don't move, don't be subject to time. But know that he who has begun a good work will complete it. Know that he is faithful, that promise. So recognize this patience, that you have got this patience. This patience is going to be a key. It will deliver you from anxiety. It will deliver you from negative emotions like frustration and discouragement and fear. Have patience. Have patience. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. The same way you say the love that you have is the love of God shed abroad in your heart. The same way the patience, it is the patience of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. The same way you say the joy is the joy of the Lord. Well, it is the patience of Christ that is in you. The same way you say that, the, that you have received a measure of his faith. Well, it's the same way. Patience is just as much of a fruit. You've got the peace of God. Well, you've got the patience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize that. Receive that. It 
it is not something you're trying to do. It's not something you're trying to be. It's who you are. You have the patience of Christ. Exercise it and shut down those negative emotions. This is a key that God has given unto you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Luke chapter 8 verse 15 says that you bring forth fruit with patience. In other words, that patience, when you stay in faith and patience, you get fruit. What does it mean, fruit? Fruit is the manifestation of the inward life. Fruit is the manifestation. When you have fruit, you can taste and see. You can eat and you can feed. You have need of patience. Let patience have a perfect work. Patience will bring forth fruit. James 1 verse 2 to 4 says, let patience have a perfect work. That you might be entire, wanting nothing. In other words, then patience keeps faith on the line. And if faith stays on the line, it's got to come forth. It, it, victory has to happen. Because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even your faith. And patience keeps faith on the job. Amen? Hallelujah. Luke 21 verse 19 says, With patience and steadfastness, Possess your soul. What do you mean possess your soul? You see, in the realm of your soul is where your mind, will, and emotions are. And when your emotions are wacky, when your emotions are, are, are shaky, and when there is, when there is, when there is loneliness, when there is, when there is um, disappointment, and when there is hopelessness, and when there is, when there is fear, and when there is anxiety, and, 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 and those negative emotions, discouragement, what happens? You can begin to faint. You can begin to faint. You begin to become weary. And then, when I have, and then those negative emotions, next thing you know, you begin to wonder, had God said. And then the devil uses those negative emotions and sows seeds of doubt and unbelief to short-circuit your faith. But you see, this scripture says in, in Luke 21 verse 19, with patience you can possess your soul, which means with patience you can conquer and you can win, even in the, in, 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 you can win in the realm of your soul and you can win and take authority and rule your emotions. Hallelujah. So that's why it says, Hebrews 10, 36, you have need of patience, so after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. He who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now that the just shall live by faith. But if any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Because when you draw back, you're no longer in faith. And the scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. Which means with faith you can please God. But we are not, you are not, hey, you are not of those who draw back. You stay in faith. You are steadfast. But we are those who believe to what? The saving of the soul. We are those who stay in faith, stay in patience, and we come to this place where we can possess our soul and, and rule those negative emotions. And that place is when your faith becomes mature. And when your faith is mature, oh, there is such a confidence. When your emotions is harnessed and comes underneath the rule and the lordship of the word of God. And when it comes underneath the lordship of the Holy Spirit. When, those, when, you, when your faith gets to that place where they are in the threat of the negative emotions trying to destabilize your faith. Your faith comes to a place of maturity. There was one time Paul says, when I come and see you, I want to come and see you. And I want to share some things with you that would cause you to, um, that, 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 would in, that would help you in the areas to mature your faith and that and supply that which is lacking in your faith. Hallelujah. 
Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. We need to get this. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1, and I know you're getting it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The stabilizing of your faith. The empowering of your faith. The maturing of your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1. Now we're going to go to key number 5, which is joy. Say joy with me. Joy. joy. Say it again. Joy. That's where we're going. Now 1 Peter chapter 1 verse, verse uh, let's pick it up in verse 7. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by, by various trials. That the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold and silver. Bring in your place to that genuineness, to that purity, to that perfection, to that maturity. That is more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. And it may be found to the praise and the honor and the glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Who, having not seen you love him, though now you don't see him, yet you believe. You've never seen Christ, but you believe. You believe to the point that you rejoice. Rejoice, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So here you are. You have never seen Jesus, but you believe the gospel. You believe in him who you have never seen, but you believe this believing is so strong on the inside of you. It is so real that here you are. You rejoice, rejoice unspeakable. You praise and you magnify him. You rejoice, rejoice unspeakable, full of glory. But look what it says receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. In other words, when you rejoice with joy unspeakable, that joy moves you to the end of your faith. It moves you to the place where your faith becomes so stable. What took you there? The rejoicing and the joy, receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your soul, which is bringing your soul and delivering it from the works of darkness and its influence and bringing your soul into the place where it's obedient to the word of God, bringing your soul to the place where it is now stable. It is not shakable. Hallelujah. So when you're, when, when, so joy has this power, just like patience, to bring you to the maturity of your faith. Glory to God. So the joy of the Lord, this joy of the Lord is ordained by God to do what? To shut down negative emotions. God said, I put power in the joy of the Lord, and this joy of the Lord, when it rains, when you stir it up, when it flows, it will shut down the negative emotions. The joy of the Lord is also your strength, it says. And when you're in the midst of a test and trials, you don't want to faint. So the scripture says in James 1 verse 2, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Joy is a spiritual force that God has given to you to get you through the hard places in life, to get you through the fiery tests and trials. So put joy to work. Joy is also the very power. Now get this. It is the very power and the force that God has placed in your spirit by which you are able to 
reap your harvest. What do you mean reap your harvest? Get a hold of the fruit. Get a hold of the manifestation. Joy will move you to manifestation. How can I say that? Well, it says in Isaiah 9 verse 3, and it calls it the joy of harvest. It says in 126, Psalms 126, verse 5, you sow in tears, but you reap how? With joy. It's a reaping instrument. Isaiah 12, verse 3 says, um, with joy do you draw from the wells of salvation. That means healing, wholeness, deliverance, freedom. With joy. So joy is a harvesting power that God has given to you as a gift. The joy of the Lord. Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let me read from verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded about by a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which will so easily beset us. And let us run with endurance and patience the race that is set before you. May I present to you that this sin that can so easily beset you, it does have to do with unbelief, but this sin that can so easily beset you is discouragement. Looking on to Jesus. If you don't look to Jesus, you're going to fall under the weight of discouragement. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Here is Jesus on the cross, bleeding, wounded, blood. I mean, I mean blood and pain. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of enduring that cross, it says... For the joy that was set before him. He saw the joy that was set before him. You are the joy of the Lord. He saw you coming into the kingdom of God. He saw what was going to happen when he took his blood to the throne of the Father. And redemption was going to be purchased. And for that, that he's seeing the end result. Seeing what, how this is going to end up. Seeing what it means. The reality of it is finished. He had joy. Even in the midst of the tests and the trials and the pain and the discomfort. Well, so can you. You've got to see the end. You've got to learn from him. And it says, copy him, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And you want to know something? You are seated with him at the right hand of the Father God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners, people misunderstanding him, persecuting him. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It says if you don't consider Jesus, and if you don't get this joy that is set before you, what will happen? You become discouraged, you become weary, and when you become weary, you can't reap. You could be in the middle of farmland where there is harvest everywhere, but you're weak, you faint. It says in Galatians 6 verse 9, right? Not to be weary in well-doing, for you will reap if you faint not, which means if you faint, you don't reap. So you need a strength that comes from joy. Hallelujah. So, so resist negative emotions. Fight against them the same way you'll fight against the devil, the same way you'll fight against a rattlesnake that is heading towards your baby. Fight against them. Fight against negative emotions with joy. Get your joy level up. Well, you say, well, how can I do that? Well, Psalm 16 verse 11 says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. 
So get into the manifested presence of God. First of all, acknowledge that you have the presence of God in you. But also begin to praise and magnify God because the scripture says in Psalms 22 verse 3 that as you praise God, God inhabits. God lives. God takes a throne, is enthroned in your praises. Psalms 8 verse 2 says, God has ordained praise because of your enemies. When you begin to speak and you begin to declare the praises of God, what happens? What happens? There is a power that is released. It silences his enemy. And that very praise God has given to you for the very purpose of strengthening you in the realm of emotions. Quite frankly, that is actually, um, that is actually number, where are we at? That is number six, praise and thanksgiving. Abounding in praise and thanksgiving is a sixth key by which you can silence and overcome those negative emotions. So get into the presence of God. Lift up the name of Jesus. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Now here is something else about getting into the presence of God. Hebrews 10 verse 19 and 20 says that you've got boldness and access through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the veil of his flesh that was stone, into this new and living way, the very throne room presence of God. So learn how to say, Father, in and I come in the name of Jesus, and I enter through the blood of the Lord Jesus that has been shed for me, that blood that has cleansed me from all sin, that blood that has remitted my sin, that blood that gives me boldness and confidence before you, and I enter through the veil of Jesus' flesh that was stored. He is my high priest, and now here I am in this new and living way. This is, and you learn to operate like that, and you will find yourself in the presence of God, and quite often, that presence will actually also be made manifest. Now, I've shared at this point about six different things and ways by which you can what? By which you can silence those negative emotions. But this only works if you do it. You got to take action. You must take action. So don't let the devil use negative emotions to bully you around. God has promised in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, listen to the promise of God, that the God of all hope fills you, not just will fill you, but he's continually filling you with all joy and peace that comes from believing so that you too can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So believe God's word. So there is this issue of believing. Believe God's word. Believe what is settled in heaven. Believe that you have this enduring, unwavering substance, this confidence. And get a hold. Get a hold of the word of God. Because God upholds all things by the word of his power. Joy, joy, joy. See the end in the beginning for the joy that was set before him. See, see the outcome. See the outcome. See that even though it might, it might seem rough, you've got a promise. And that promise is what God eagerly, did, eagerly desires to fulfill. Knowing this, that it is a trial of your faith. Believing what? Believing that even though you don't see, yet you, can, yet you believe and you can rejoice with joy in speaking. Get into the fellowship. Get into the fellowship. Get into this place of prayer and communion with the Spirit of God. Because again, here God has promised in Isaiah 56 verse 7. God says that he will make you joyful in the house of prayer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So there, there are six keys so far. Amen? Now, just let me just add another one. You are to be rich in the fruits of the Spirit. 
What do you mean? I mean love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness. Be, the love of God never fails. Be rich in the fruits of the Spirit. Why? Temperance, self-control. The Scripture says in Galatians 5, verse 23, that against these fruits there is no law. You cannot overdose on the love of God. You cannot overdose on self-control. You, you cannot be too gentle, too kind, too patient, too, too joyful. And there's nothing that the enemy can do to stop any of the fruits of the Spirit. Amen? So abound and grow in the fruits of the Spirit. But you must acknowledge you have them. You got to acknowledge you have them. When you acknowledge you have them, they will grow and they will multiply and they will become effective in your life. Study 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 9 particularly and the scriptures around that. Hallelujah. Number eight. Number eight, practical Step, key to overcoming negative emotions. It's called peace, the peace of God. Stay in the peace of God. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, God will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So stay in the word. Stay believing. Speak the truth. To be spiritually minded is peace. Set your mind and your affections on the things which are above. Renew your mind to the word of God. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. It is not a vain thing. The word of God is your life. And when you begin to, when you stay in that word and speak the word, because the speaking of the word, that spoken word, Hebrews 4 verse 12 and 13 says, is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can chop off those negative emotions. It can make them bow. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Peace. Stay in the peace of God. That means you're going to have to resist fear. You're going to have to resist anxiety. Let not your heart be anxious. But in everything, stay connected with God. And in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you refuse anxiety and you stay in fellowship with God, then that peace of God will rise up like a garrison of soldiers and it will guard your heart and mind even when you're in the midst of a turbulent country with all kinds of negative emotions and forces trying to come at you. It will protect you. God will keep them in perfect peace. Jesus says, my peace I give unto you. Not the peace of the world, but the peace of God. He says, I give it to you. Well, it's yours. It's your inheritance. Take it. Take the peace of God. Say, I receive the peace of God. The peace of God is mine. By faith, take it by force. The peace of God is not only, the peace of God is only found in Christ. It's not outside of him. Jesus said in John 16, verse 33, that these things, these words have I spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world, it's test, trials, and tribulation. But in me, you're going to have peace. That peace is in him. So you got to abide in Christ. How do you do that? Continually apply the sacrifice. Stay and apply the sacrifice, and the life of Christ in you will become so real. What do you mean by sacrifice? Death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his blood, his name, his life, his word, and, and, and um, uh, his promises. So you got to declare I'm crucified with Christ. The old man is buried. I have been resurrected with him. And I ascended with him. I'm seated at his right hand. I have been washed by his blood. And I stand before his presence holy and without blemish. I have the authority of his name. So that I can rule over the circumstances and over the works of the devil and the devil himself. I have the very life of Christ in me. 
Christ in me is the hope of glory. And I have the word of God that is written and the promises of God, they are mine. You got to make that identification. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10 that he continually always bearing about this body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, I always make that identification, and because I do, the very life of Christ is made manifest in my body. Well, when the life of Christ is made manifest, guess what comes with that? Joy, peace, the fruits of the Spirit, the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. So when you abide in Christ, you are living in this place of oneness with him, and that is called righteousness. Amen? Which leads us to key number nine righteousness. Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, the effect of righteousness, it's peace. The effect of righteousness is peace. When you recognize your authority, when you recognize your rights, when you recognize and own your right standing, and when you proclaim that oneness, which is what you do in communion. In communion, you are declaring, I have a oneness. I have a common union with this body. I have a common union with this blood. Everything Jesus finished, I have a part of it. I have an intimate fellowship and participation in all that he did and all that he has accomplished. What are you doing? It says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26 that you are proclaiming. You are making a proclamation concerning the death of Christ. And then finally, committal prayers. What do you mean committal prayers? Well, the, the scripture says there are things that happen in your life. You can't carry them around. So 1 Peter 5 verse 2 says, cast your cares on the Lord. Fling them. Give them to him. He cares for you. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, commit your work to the Lord. The assignments, the things you need to do, commit them to the Lord, and he's going to cause your thoughts to be established. What else? Psalms 37, verse 5 says, um, commit your way unto the Lord and trust him. He'll bring it to pass. 2 Timothy 1, verse 12 says, commit. I am persuaded that he is able to keep whatever I commit unto him. You've got some family situations. You've got some people. You've got some stuff you don't know exactly how to deal with it. You pray about it. You talk to God about it. But then guess what you do? You commit it to him with the confidence that he's able to keep what you commit unto him. Amen? So, here is the thing. And let me close by giving you a quick summary. So, first of all, so here, here it is. Key number one. There are these three confidences that you must have. You have the capacity to walk in the spirit. Believe that. You have the capacity to think in line with God's word. Believe that. You have an enduring substance that confirms what you are believing and hoping for. Believe that. And then key number two, faith. The force and the power of faith. Key number three, confidence. Maintain your confidence. Don't throw it away. Key number four, patience. That's staying in faith, that perseverance, that steadfastness. Key number five, joy. The joy is your strength and your harvesting instrument that will bring forth the manifestation. Key number six, praise and thanksgiving, abounding praise and thanksgiving. God has ordained it as a means to empower you and to empower your emotions. Key number seven, the fruits of the spirit. Apply the fruits of the Spirit. Acknowledge them. Declare that you have them. Perseverance, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, the love of God. And then key number eight, stay in the peace of God. How do you do that? 
You do that by resisting any anxiety and fear. You do that by abiding in Christ. How? By applying the sacrifice. Key number nine, exercise yourself in righteousness. Exercise yourself in righteousness. Exercise continually. Continually. That means keep exercising your authority. Keep exercising the reality of what your rights are. Keep exercising and rehearsing the fact that you are in right standing and free from condemnation, guilt, and shame. And then number six, pray prayers of commitment where you commit things into the hands of the Lord. Amen? Now I'm going to end by saying this. Second Peter chapter 1. These are things, these are things you got to do. You don't just think about this and pray about this. You need to do that too, but you need to do them. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Brethren, be diligent to make your call and election sure. And if you do these things, you will never stumble. The devil won't be able to trip you up. And then verse 11, but an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you be diligent in applying these 10 keys to be free from negative emotions. And what will happen? There's going to be a great big doorway open for you to enter into the everlasting kingdom of God and function in that kingdom, which is to function in righteousness, in peace, and in joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Joy and peace. When they rule you, there is no room for negative emotions. Father, I thank you for your grace. For this word that has been delivered, I know it doesn't return void. And I thank you for the grace in the hearers, everyone that hears, to receive this, but also to do it. You say, Lord, if we hear and we do not do, then we're deceived, thinking that we know it and we understand it. But it is the doing of the word that is what delivers our soul. That is what causes the word of God to be engrafted. The, the, the doing of the word is what causes us to prosper and, and have the results of what your word has promised. So I thank you, Lord, that the grace of God has gone forth and it is flowing so that we are doers of this which we have heard today in the name of Jesus.